Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever ends soon. Right now, save up to $500 on our top-rated brands when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $699 on Sealy or save up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress sets. Shop America's best brands confidently with our low-price guarantee. Hurry into Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Wherever you are, uh, whatever time of day it is, I hope that um, things are shining on you, whether it's the sun or just life and the universe in general. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessscript. We are thrilled that this podcast is continuing to gain recognition as a resource for small business and entrepreneurs. From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com to Fit Small Business, Proven, a whole bunch of other sites, Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. This is due in large part to the guests that come on this show, talk to me, um, share their expertise and their wisdom, give of their time and their knowledge so that you folks can do better things in your business and be better prepared for success. Today we have someone just like that. My guest today is Adam Anderson. Adam is a longtime small business owner who also happens to be one of the leading authorities on small business cybersecurity. He's a serial entrepreneur, author, and founder and chairman of Palmetto Security Group, an IBM premier cybersecurity business partner. He recently launched Element Security Group. With 20 years in cybersecurity and 13 as a small business owner, Adam is positioned to understand both sides of the cybersecurity equation in a way most aren't. Adam got tired of answering all his business owner friends' questions about cybersecurity. So he co-authored a book and created some tools for them. The book is called Small Business Cybersecurity. Your customers can trust you, right? 
Adam is on a mission to help fellow business owners find the answer to the question, should I even care about cybersecurity? We think the answer is yes, but we will find out. Thank you so much for joining me today, Adam. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, It is my pleasure. This is a subject that uh, probably does not get as much attention as it should, uh, given what is going on in the world today. Um, So I want to start sort of from the basics and ask you to explain to our listeners What exactly is cybercrime? Yeah, so cybercrime is anytime somebody is trying to get at your business or at your uh, belongings through digital means. Um, This can happen through uh, complicated internet tools. This can happen through email. It can happen through a lot of different ways. But the real definition of cybercrime kicks in when we're talking about some kind of digital threat going after your assets. Okay. So um, we hear a lot about um, large corporations and organizations getting hacked and all of their records being taken. And we hear some about um, ransomware, I I guess it is. When we say digital, so anyway, what I think is it's like email or they're hacking into your um, website or um, whatever it is. What are they looking to do, I guess would be my question. Is it just to disrupt or is it really to get a hold of your money? What is it? Yeah, so the old days, the hacker would be going after intellectual property, trade secrets, uh, personal information, things that they could gather and then sell on the black market. And they still do that. But uh, for example, collecting credit card information, the price for credit card information has tanked on the uh, dark web and doesn't really work a whole lot. They can't really give the credit cards away because there's so many of them out there. So they're always hunting for something else. And ransomware was developed as the next step of collecting information and selling it. Someone came up with the idea, well, what if we just disrupted businesses until they couldn't operate and then they would have to pay us to unlock them. And this really began to show in hospital systems uh, to begin with where they were locking down electronic medical health records and preventing doctors from uh, reaching your um, health information. Wow, really? Okay, so, um, gosh, I have so many questions about this. So what does a, a small business do about that? Is there a way to really protect that information? Uh, well, the, the, the trick here is really putting your mindset in the right way. As a matter of fact, I tell people cybersecurity isn't about computer science. It's about behavioral science. It really is rooted in what you believe. And most small business owners are thinking, hey, I don't have anything anyone would want. Uh-huh. You know what? They can't find me. I'm too small. And then in regards to your question, most think there's nothing I can do about it anyway. So I'm not even going to look at the problem. The good news and bad news is all three of those beliefs are wrong. So um, the, the quick response to that question, what can I do as I is don't get into an arm race. You're going to build a really expensive cybersecurity fortress. 
to dump a whole bunch of money that you should be putting into sales and marketing into this IT infrastructure that has a questionable you know, return on investment. And chances are you're still going to get hacked anyway because businesses are made of humans and humans have the keys to let people in. So if you build this cybersecurity fortress and then somebody clicks on an email link they shouldn't have or puts a jump drive into their machine that they found on the street, they just invite the bad guys in and you've wasted all of your money. So I tell people, don't spend money on making yourself an impenetrable fortress. Instead, spend your time on making a breach irrelevant. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fascinating. So how do you do that? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Go, go. <laughs> How do you I'll, make a breach irrelevant? Yeah. So the the uh, the trick here is to set up business systems and understand your business systems point by point, so that you know what to do when one fails. So I'll give you an example. A house, a house is made up of multiple rooms, right? And so let's say that my office is sales and marketing, the foyer is my physical building, the, the example goes on and on, right? Every room has a different function. Well, in most of us, we are living in a house with no walls and doors. So as soon as you get in once, you get into everything. The trick to making cybersecurity um, configured in such a way that the hack is irrelevant as you start off by segmenting your infrastructure, making sure every business process has its own little shell and configuring some really basic things. And I'd love to share with you six things that you should probably do right now to get to the point where you're making it irrelevant. Awesome. I'd love it if you do that. All right. So I love analogies. It turns out when you start talking bits and bytes, um, no one um, invites you back to networking events. And I love people. <laughs> so true. <laughs> right? And I'm like, well, let's, let's examine your firewall settings and talk about your TCP IP packet. And nobody invites me back. And that's unfortunate. So I've, I've changed my strategy. So we're going to use the analogy of uh, health. So back in the day, the world was faced with another infection problem, but this one happened to be with surgeons and their patients were dying when they operated on them. The solution was to wash their hands or to practice good hygiene. And uh, these tips I'm gonna share with you are exactly uh, the same kind of methodology. So soap and water, something bad has happened. You wanna recover quickly. You wanna make it irrelevant. The ransomware hits you, you don't care, you don't wanna pay. You need two things, the soap, is really, really good backups of all of your data and system. And this doesn't mean uh, put it on Dropbox or put it on a drop drive. This is you paying a little bit of money every month to an adult who is other than you that makes sure your important stuff gets backed up somewhere. And when something goes wrong, they help you put it back. The water of soap and water is a good, robust cybersecurity insurance policy. Now, that can be a little confusing because usually when we think insurance, we think that someone's going to give me a bunch of money and then I'm going to go hire a bunch of contractors and we're going to fix it. The good cybersecurity insurance policies don't just come with money because to be honest, most of us have no idea how to hire good cybersecurity people or what they should do if we did hire them. 
They don't, they come with money and a disaster recovery, disaster recovery team made up of a lawyer, a PR specialist, a, a cybersecurity white hat hacker, a forensic investigator, and they all jump on board and get you back to where you can do business again. So you start off with soap and water. Does that make sense? Yes. I love that analogy. Cool. Well, then let's pretend you don't like getting dirty at all. You ha- you're, yep. you're very germaphobic, right? So we're going to talk about surgical mask, surgical gloves, and OR scrubs. So the mask is what we were talking about before. You don't want everything living on your computers at home or in your office. You want to move as much to the cloud as possible. And then the cloud itself is a scary thing. So why don't I clarify that a bit? I mean, don't have your email hosted on your laptop. Put it on Gmail, right? Put it on Microsoft in the cloud where you log into something. And do that with as many of your applications as possible. Uh, For example, I use QuickBooks Online. I don't use local QuickBooks. I use uh, distributed email. I use uh, online Microsoft suites. Everything possible to make it that I can throw my laptop away, go to another laptop, boot it up and have everything that I need. Um, so that is the surgical mask. The, the gloves would be great. <laughs> now that I just moved everything to the cloud, that means I'm a perfect target for hackers breaking in with my username and password. So the trick here is now you have to use something called two-factor authentication. And I love saying two-factor authentication because it makes me sound very, very smart. But what it actually is, is that when you log on to your email or one of these applications, you type in your username, you type in your password, and then it sends a message to your phone that you're holding in your hand and says, Adam, you just logged in to your Gmail account. Was that really you? And you hit yes, and then it lets you in. So it doesn't matter if someone has your username and password if they don't also have your phone. So adding that second factor, that's gloves. But... Wow. The problem comes in when we realize we can't move everything to the cloud. We can't segment our network and push all the stuff to other service providers. You have to have something locally. So how do you keep that stuff safe? And that's the OR scrubs. There are a lot of different threats out there, but the vast, vast majority of them, over 90% are old threats that the hackers keep using over and over again because they know we never fix our systems. And so companies like Microsoft and Apple and and Hewlett Packard and all these guys patch their machines constantly. There's always an automatic security update. Matter of fact, they're happening so often, they're annoying. I was prepping for my TED talk. I had the PowerPoint open and my machine wanted to keep rebooting it, but I was in the middle of creative flow and I had the quandary, do I follow and practice what I preach and let these security (laughs) patches go in or do I finish my PowerPoint? What did Uh, you do? None of your business. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now I know. Yes, you do. (laughs) Right? The idea with cybersecurity isn't to stop business. It's to enable and protect business. And sometimes you do what you need to do. Excuse me, do what you need to do. So, Configuring your your computers to have automatic updates and just letting them do it and understand that sometimes, yeah, you're going to have to walk away for an hour as it says you're 36% complete. And it turns out you might go talk to a human being for a while. It's okay. But if you can do those three things, the surgical mask, which is move things to the cloud, the gloves, 
which is to have complex two-factor authentication, and then the OR scrubs, which are to have automatic configuration of updates for security patches, you're pretty good. And that was five things, but I promised you six. So yeah. the, the sixth thing is every good surgeon, before they cut you up, goes in with a plan. And the National Institute of Standards and Technology uh, produced that plan for us. So back in 2013, the executive branch said to uh, the National Science Foundation, hey guys, we need cybersecurity standards that can protect our critical infrastructure, the power grid, Department of Defense, various government branches. And they got 200 companies and really smart people together, and they created the National Institute of Standard and Technologies Cybersecurity Framework, or you can count, call it NIST 800. And that will, again, make you sound smarter than you actually are. Because I'm trying to give you social capital here to throw around. Oh, yeah. No, we deal with NIST 800. And NIST 800, NIST 800 will teach you how to identify all of your important infrastructure. What that means is your uh, business processes, your devices, your software, the data you're touching, and what humans have access to it. Then it'll teach you how do you protect all of those critical infrastructure uh, pieces. Then how do you configure all of your systems so that you can detect when somebody's attacking you? You know, I talk to a lot of people and most of them can say, yeah, here's all my computers and software. All right, great. Now what are you doing? Oh, here's all the software I've installed to protect that stuff. So cool. How do you know it's working? How do you know someone's not on your computer right now? How can you detect and get alerted when something goes south? And this is when most of us begin to fail at. So you got to have detect in there. Then you have respond. Okay, so you got the alert. It's 2 a.m. What do you do? You do not want to have an emotional decision at that point. You want to have a game plan. And by the way, these game plans are probably only 25, 30% applicable when something wrong happens. The purpose of the game plan is to get you moving in the right direction and getting your emotions under control. And then last is recover. So if you responded, you've you fixed the issue, but how do you get back to steady state, safety, and profitability again? And this NIST 800 plan gives 109 security controls, only 50 of those being technology, the rest of them being policies that you can set up and documentations you can set up. And the best way I can describe this is think about a very robust marketing plan. You have a whole bunch of technology. You've got to really understand your customers. Guys, this is exactly like sales and marketing, except your customers are these devices and uh, um, systems in your, your company. This is fascinating. Um, and I got to take a quick sponsor break, but then I, I want to ask you something um, about this on the other side. Uh, Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 
80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're talking with Adam Anderson about cybersecurity and why it matters to small business. Now, Adam, I listened to everything that you just said, and I am a small business owner. If I put myself in the place <laughs> of small business owners listening, which I can easily do, um, I, I can imagine them saying to themselves, wow, 109 security controls, wait a minute, I got to go read something called the NIST 800. And, <laughs> and, you know, doing that whole, yeah, 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 you know, putting their hands over their ears, eyes and mouth and just hoping the world goes away. Right. So, you know, let's talk about, because I love, you know, the, this last point about strategy. I, I totally get it. Uh, I think that's how we get things done. But let's talk about um, realistically what can any of the listeners do to like start the process and create a path or a structure that is actually uh, doesn't feel so overwhelming. Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, this is a very underserved. Um, vertical for security people. So if you're a fortune 500, fortune 1000, you typically either have a chief security officer or you have a director of corporate security. You have a human being whose sole focus is to deal with these 109 controls and to make sure that everybody's compliant and everything's up to snuff. Um, if you're a $3 million revenue company making 20% profits, you're not going to hire yourself a $250,000 security expert. So a burgeoning new field is something called the chief security officer as a service or a fractional CSO. And you can rent really smart security people to look at what you're doing and do an assessment, then do a, a risk triage okay, what's important to do, and then develop an implementation and long-term maintenance plan. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds really expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I was thinking that. <laughs> right? And it probably, it probably is, right? Uh, we were looking at getting into that business, but honestly, you know, that, that stuff is expensive. You're looking at a $24,000 yeah. audit and 5000 bucks a month. Kind of, I mean, it, it can get there. And the vast majority of the customers I'm working with today are, you know, million dollar accounting firms with, you know, three full-time employees and six contractors. It's, uh, yeah. it's beyond that. So the right answer is uh, we've created a lot of tools. And so I have taken that whole process, which is this huge risk assessment thing, da, 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 da. And I have thrown away the vast majority of the security controls and I've reduced them down to 20 that you should worry about, uh, 22, wow. depending on your industry. And we've put together a online course that you can pay 300 bucks for and take it in about three hours and get that's not the same, right? It's definitely better to spend the big money and do the deep dive. Yeah. But, but, turn to online education and not just mine. There is plenty of online stuff that's out there, but what you want to look for when you're shopping for online education is you want to really look at the deliverables. You can spend a whole lot of time scaring yourself 
by taking cybersecurity education. Make sure it's not a fire and brimstone. We're going to scare you into getting emotional so that we can sell you something. Make sure the course that you're shopping for has some deliverables. And these deliverables that you should be looking for are a business continuity plan. That's basically identify in that NIST thing where it takes you through how do I get all of my stuff and how do I know what stuff is impacting my business. So you're looking for a business continuity plan. You're also looking for a disaster recovery plan that is uh, respond and recover. And you're looking for any kind of education that teaches you how to detect what's going on inside of your environment. So when you're Google searching and you're looking for this kind of stuff, those are the keywords that you really should be searching for. Small business, business continuity plan, small business disaster recover, and small business uh, cyber threat detection or insider threat detection. And a really, really, really good person to talk to about shortcutting all those Google searches is your cybersecurity insurance salesperson. So if you look at your, yeah, right. Who would have thought, (laughs) 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 but those are the very first three things that a cybersecurity insurance policy is going to ask you for. And they're very good at putting you in touch with resources, consultation, whatever you need so that they can sell you insurance. So they have a motivation for you to get the tools you need and they're not in the business of selling you those tools. So they're a very Perfect. good resource, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that's terrific. So this is one of these questions where I feel like I know what the answer is, but I'm going to ask it anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because I think people might be thinking this and it's better to get it out there. If I'm a small business owner and I've got, you know, I don't know, maybe six employees and um, I have a, like a general manager type person, um, is this the kind of thing that I should do myself or should I entrust it to my general manager or should we both do it? You know, both take the online course. What do you think? I would not do this if I was the business owner. So let me be real clear what I mean by that. Yeah. We own all the liability as a business owners, no matter what happens where the buck stops there. Right. But I hire somebody to run my marketing. I hire somebody to uh, run my call center. I hire people to do things. I'm involved in setting strategy and I'm involved in making important decisions. So sure, go ahead and take some of the education, but don't take ownership of the implementation. Take ownership of setting strategy, which by the way, uh, I had the, uh, was doing a talk in Cleveland last week and an amazing marketer was in front of me and we entered into conversation and she is a wizard at um, marketing strategy and so much better at it than I am. So yeah, I absolutely depend on the consultants to tell me how to do marketing, but I still own the responsibility for revenue generation. And that's the same mindset you need to come to with cybersecurity. But no, our jobs are to, and it really does depend on your personality, but for me and my style, I hire people who do the deep critical thinking, the detail-oriented stuff, because that's not me. I like to think about big picture. I like to set up big uh, visions. And when I get grinding down into the details, I often make mistakes. So it's in my own best interest to uh, um, 
have someone else do it. Actually, that thought just went through my mind. You know, maybe that's why I break dishes when I'm doing the doing them for my wife. Uh, maybe I'm trying to get out of work. No, no, no. I, I'm, I've got more ethics than that. I, I'm just ah, really sure. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> you go with that and let yeah, me know how that, that works that, out for that's you. When yeah. I, that's why I make my kids do the dishes. I'm like, you know what? There you go. Yeah, right. I can why we had them. This. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> So, well, I really appreciate that because I agree. And, and part of my concern is um, that I think the business owners will feel like it's their responsibility to do, but they have the ultimate responsibility, so they won't do, get to it. And, right. and so, right? I mean, there's like so many reasons why it just shouldn't be them doing yes. the implementation on it. Hey, you know their their brain is, is in too many places. Yeah. You know, it's really complicated. The tax hmm. code. I don't do my own taxes. We work with CPAs for a reason. Don't be intimidated that this is a foreign language, a strange concept, and it seems like there's witchcraft behind all of it. Same thing's true with our tax code, and we all live there just fine. So you can succeed here. You will win, but you have to take it seriously. Okay. So that that is, thank you for that. That's terrific. I, um, I think that really hits home, and it's funny when you were um, talking a couple minutes ago. All I kept thinking about was when I took my car in to get an oil change. I'll give you a little analogy you can use to get an oil change. And the guy walked out and he said, "Okay, I'm going to tell you the stuff that needs to be done to your car in the order in which I think they need to be done." Nice. <laughs> he just starts, you know, this is a safety issue. It needs to be done now. This can wait, you know. He just literally like went down the list of. Uh, where was I most vulnerable? And that was the thing that I, I had to address immediately. So that's yeah. sort of what it feels like to me. Absolutely. So um, um, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about fractional CSOs, because I've heard of fractional CFOs and CIOs, but I did not realize that this was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess my question would be, if someone um, even wanted to explore that, how do you know you're getting someone who's qualified, someone who's good? Great. So there is a certification that cybersecurity people can get that they have to have five years experience in the field and they have to understand the whole width and breadth of cybersecurity, um, and it's called a CISSP. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what that stands for, but it, it's C, <laughs> okay. right? Certified Information Security something, something. But these people are trained to do corporate and business thinking and apply cybersecurity to it. We call it information technology alignment and information technology governance. So. If you're interviewing something and they, someone and they can't give you reference customers, and by the way, you should not ask what do you do for those customers. You should ask what results did they get from you working with those customers. Because uh, um, it's, it's going to be very easy for someone to say, I'm going to install widget XYZ. I'm going to create this plan. And it's almost like a marketer saying, I'm going to send 10,000 emails. Well, I don't care about the emails. I care about the leads. So what yeah. are you doing that's producing a return on my investment? So if they can't speak articulately about how they've done that for other people, then look for somebody with a CISSP 
in their title. And at least you'll know you're dealing with somebody qualified to give you advice because I can't tell you how many people I've bumped into who say, oh yeah, we've got cybersecurity covered. Uh, my sister's nephew comes in and, and when he's done playing <laughs> Xbox, he uh, helps me with my firewall. Like, oh, well, you get what you pay for. So right. there's, right, and there's different levels that you should be looking at. Um, you do online education as your first stop so that you, you know, make sure that you're prepared to talk to some of these people. Now, yeah. you, one of the, the risks here is you'll, educate yourself well enough to be really bad at cybersecurity. And then we like to hire people who are like us. And so we'll hire a really bad cybersecurity person. That's why it's really important to talk about results, not behaviors when you're interviewing people. Uh, I then suggest don't go all in, hire a coach. Um, these guys are in the $500 a month range where uh, someone meets with you every other week and helps you develop your cybersecurity strategy in conjunction with your self-education. And that can really be valuable and it, you don't have to go all in on it. And then finally, when you're ready to do this, start first with whoever you're doing your managed services with. So if you have a group of people who are managing your IT, start with them first and say, we want better cybersecurity strategy. And that typically they'll either work with your coach or they'll take some of the same education that you've taken so that they can be on the same page and then they'll work with you. For those of them who don't have that, you can go out and start finding fractional CSOs. But again, unfortunately, this is a very new field. I honestly believe that, you know, we've got four pillars right now, banking, insurance, accounting, and law. I believe in the next two or three years, you're going to have chief or just be one of these things that you have to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Um, okay. Shoot. I had a question. Now I can't remember what it is. Uh, well, so while I'm thinking about what it is, tell us some more about the book um, that you wrote for small business owners, for the people who are listening now and where people can get it while I try and remember what it was I wanted to ask. Well, if, if your question was, what's my sign? I am a Virgo. And, uh, <laughs> and so you can just put that away. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. So the book I wrote is called Small Business Cybersecurity. And I co-authored it with the uh, Director of Corporate Security at Michelin North America. The reason we wrote this book was he had 20,000 vendors in his supply chain that he had to send important documents to, engineering, CAD drawings, things like that. And he, had, he wanted to make it more robust how he understood his risk dealing with small businesses. And what I found is that corporate America is really good at beating up the little guy. They'll send you a spreadsheet with 900 questions and you have to answer. And it's very confusing and it's very techie technology. And if you're a $5 million engineering firm, chances are you're not going to be able to answer this. So we wrote the book to kind of be the go-between translation between how small business thinks about cybersecurity and doing business, and that's the role I played. And he filled the role as um, what do the executives um, think about when they're trying to hire small businesses. And so that, that was good, but I found that it really fell on, on deaf ears. So I decided to write another book called uh, Built to Survive. And Built to Survive is basically going over everything we talked about, but I use a narration of an entrepreneur 
going from the beginning of the process, just remember uh, realizing she has to worry about cybersecurity, and then the story of her actually getting attacked and surviving and coming out the other side. So that's called Built to Survive, and you can find both of those books at uh, elementsecuritygroup.com slash A-Y-B-G. Sweet. That, that is – so I, I cannot wait to read that one. I have the other one. But I, I cannot wait to read that one. And I got to tell you, so I remember the, the question that I was going to ask, and it was around that concept of big businesses wanting to do business with small business and even having – supplier diversity rules and set asides and all of that. Oh yeah. But, right. But they run a risk. Mm-hmm. Don't, so, like if a small business doesn't have this security, doesn't the big business run a risk that they're going to be hurt? They absolutely are. But I want to reassure you though, what they're looking for at this day and age is a healthy conversation. You don't have to be perfect. They're not expecting that, but they want you to be able to talk intelligently. So I'll, I'll give some more um, social capital out here, right? The, in December 31st, 2017, the deadline for the Department of Defense kicks in. And this deadline says, if you are unable to speak intelligently about the NIST 800 standard, these 109 security controls, and make the Department of Defense feel like you, you know what you're talking about, they will not give you a contract. Now, why is this important? Not a whole lot of us um, small businesses supply directly into the Department of Defense. But the Department of Defense sets the standards, then the rest of the government follows it, and the government is the single largest buyer in the whole world. And so, now let's say you're a little guy, and you're a manufacturer, and you're creating widget XYZ that Lockheed Martin is using, and you're the tier five vendor to Lockheed Martin, and Lockheed Martin's putting that widget in one of the new F-16s. Well, the Department of Defense is going to ask Lockheed Martin to prove that every single widget in that F-16 is coming from a vendor who knows how to secure that intellectual property and capital from cyber attack. You're looking at, yeah, right? So this is a long process, but it is happening. And getting up to speed on this now, you have a lot of forgiveness. In three years, you just will be out of the game. You won't be able to play, and you won't be able to uh, work with the big guys. If you can't on that RFP or RFI, if you can't talk shop about this, you're not going to be able to uh, play. And that's usually... I believe that is going to be the driver to finally get people to uh, start investing in this. Because honestly, until it's costing me money or creating a tangible risk, it's really difficult for me to invest time in something that doesn't generate revenue. And, and unfortunately that's where cybersecurity lives. Yeah, it is unfortunate, but I I totally agree with you. Um, So this sounds like something that would be a real opportunity for those managed services providers. Mm Mm-hmm to really have that knowledge and understanding and offer it as a service to their customers to like, can they be the um, mouthpiece, so to speak? Can they be the expert who's on the team? Yeah. uh, More and more um, offerings are coming. They're not prevalent, but you can hire a security person to help you get your house in order to uh, be ready to respond for these RFPs. 
Um, you can do it much, you, you can do it quickly. If you throw money at the problem, you can do it fast, but not, you know, super fast. If you leverage some smart people or you can get it done eventually, if you do it yourself, um, it doesn't have to be super complicated. And, uh, well, let me rephrase that. It, it does get complicated. Um, <laughs> it does get complicated. And the managed service provider is a fantastic first stop. Uh, but strangely enough, your accountant is another fantastic resource. Accountants are coming out as being one of the leading cybersecurity providers to small businesses because of the problem of tax fraud. A lot of this identity theft stuff results in a a tax fraud situation where the bad guys did a false tax return and now you're talking to your accountant and your accountant's like, yeah, man, that's horrible. And they have them in this, you know, emotional state and they're being asked, well, what do I do to stop tax fraud? And what they're really saying is how do I do good cybersecurity? So a lot of these CPAs are seeing a business opportunity here to provide additional consulting outside of their uh, tax return um, practices. So try starting there too. Boy, no kidding. That is fascinating. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, I feel um, slightly better educated and not scared, I have to say, not scared, um, but, but maybe a little empowered, maybe a little more empowered because there's a big difference between, oh my gosh, this thing is so big and I wouldn't even know where to start, and this conversation where I feel like at least I know a couple places I can start, like I can talk to the cybersecurity insurance guy and I can talk to my CPA and I can go to this NIST 800 thing and mm-hmm. I can go to um, your site and, and get the books. And so I think for most small business owners, having resources feels better than feeling like it's a really big thing and not having any idea where the first place is. So thank you for providing us with that. That was awesome. Well, I'm happy to. I love this stuff. I know. I can tell that you do. It's really great because <laughs> someone has to. <laughs> Might as well be you. Right on. Uh, right? That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, not going to be me. Okay. So thanks for, for doing this. I also want to thank the listeners. And guys, really, don't put your head in the sand on this one. Just one step at a time. Get going with it. And uh, you'll feel so much better. And I loved the idea of you know getting a coach who can go through the course with you and make sure that you're putting your strategy together and all that, that that's another good one. Cause sometimes it's nice to have someone walking along with you. Uh, also want to thank our sponsor. Remember to visit uh, audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up for a free trial and get a free audiobook When you do continue to prosper and be curious and face the things that, are just plain reality these days. We, you know, we have choices. We can either own them and face them and do something about them, or we can hope that they go away, but the truth is they're not going to. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs 
who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.